Kelsey. Hi. So, yeah, so we should introduce the mysterious voices. So, as you might have suspected, I'm Pam. Hi, Pam. Um, Javon, introduce yourself. You have a distinctive voice. Hi, I'm Javon. Hey. And I, I am Justin Campbell. And I'm Len Smith. Len Smith is our host. <laughs> Welcome to Turing Incomplete. <laughs> Welcome. Len I have a quick our, question. I have a quick our, uh, topic question. I wish someone saw our sticker today. And is it our, is our logo a reference to Black Flag? No. No, they'd have to be offset a little bit. No, it was yeah. just I wanted to put four colored squares. That was on, my uh, answer. As I in was, a square? I think it has to do with geometric shapes in space. Yeah. <laughs> and it, not it was, black so flag. Four like, like square, like equal side squares like in a square. Like the logo with your names? The logo that doesn't have like... our names. It has our favorite colors. That well, the website them. has our names so in the colors. Oh, yeah. The, web, the website does have our names in the colors. <laughs> Those yeah. are our favorite colors? Or the colors that Justin thought? <laughs> no, there are favorite I colors. Asked if everybody. you paid attention, he asked. And if you didn't answer, that's your fault. Well, I but did sure. answer um, black, and Justin <laughs> did, not, <laughs> did not accept it. And just there is me black green. in the logo. It's just not a filler color. Now, I'm pretty sure I asked Len, and he's like, I don't care. Okay. I'm, I think I remember saying blue. blue I did? Oh. No. No, Pam's red. Oh, I guess Javon's blue. I don't yeah, know, no one's favorite color is green, right? Is I think so. I hear people as green. I feel that's, like I've never that's, heard. That's the one that, you know, well, because I, I was a very early study of, you know, color personality theory. And, oh, what does it mean? And, and green means that you're smart. <laughs> None of us are smart. Oh, so, so well, green, that's my new favorite color. So green is like, <laughs> green is like the Ravenclaw's. And red is more like the Gryffindors, maybe the Slytherins. Wait, what? This is Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. It's Harry Potter okay. references, Justin. Uh, if you can't get it, then I can't help you. You go to the Harry Potter. Uh, which one is yeah. like? Which one is like Sporty Spice? <laughs> I think that's probably orange. Oh, okay. Len, Len is Sporty Spice. I don't think there were any Sporty Spice <laughs> at Hogwarts, even though the Spice Girls were British, because I don't think I don't think that Quidditch was very athletic. It's a horrible movie, but they do play. Wait, which is, what's a horrible movie? The Internship. Oh. They play Quidditch I in it. have played Quidditch. That's the thing I have done. <laughs> it is really fun. But Quidditch is just and a cross, people right? People who hate fun knock everyone else's fun. It's but, a cross you know, without a stick, and fun. you have to have, be carrying a broom. Okay. Yes. It doesn't actually have to be a broom. It can be a rod, but you have to always have it. What if, mm. instead of a broom, it was a My Little Pony on a stick? That would be magical. I mean, literally, that's like what that would be. But so, Kelsey, Kelsey, can I cheat and ask you to introduce yourself? So that yes, you do now, your best. Are we podding right now? Yeah, recording. Are we casting? Right. Depends, we, when, depends when Len wants to cut us in. Yeah, Lynn is the master of the editing. So, Kelsey, could I ask you to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Kelsey Gomorinas. I'm a software engineer in San Francisco. I work in Scala, building backend services uh, currently at PagerDuty. And I do other things when I'm not there, which I think was what we were going to maybe talk about tonight as well. Yeah, we want want to talk about side projects. Uh, yeah. I, so I also kind of wanted to ask you. You know, we can we can get to it. But I remember when we when we met, we talked about maybe because we had a generalist versus specialist episode, and our episode kind of resulted in all of us thinking that we're generalists. And you told me that you considered yourself. It, you were thinking about going in the direction of a specialist, and I found that really interesting. I would like to, although I've found many of the, those decisions are less active decisions and more like random fateful uh, assignments and stuff but i have a desire to know a lot about a subfield 
that I think is worthwhile to pursue. What do you? Um, I hate front what's end. What's a subfield? Work. This is uh, this is the root. I'm really, really bad at front end. I can't make things look nice. Any user interface more than JSON boggles me uh, to no end. The idea that you could getting very deep into something that doesn't involve having to do the feeling to me for sure. I have nothing but respect and fear for people who have the wizardry of front end magic. We just had a conversation about this today in our retro about, <laughs> I, I was one of the people uh, talking about like, I don't want to spend a lot of time on stories doing CSS because I'm slow at it. And it's probably expensive to have a, a pair of Ruby engineers working on CSS. So, so you think that God, you really hard. specialize at least a little bit? <laughs> yeah. So you want to specialize like just on the quote unquote backend, or even get more specialized than that? Yeah, I like making servers. Yeah, although I mean, even since Pam and I last talked, I've been learning more about the operations. Things, so I guess it's a breadth in its own. Um, there's a lot that goes on before you see stuff on a screen. So I don't know. There's something appealing to me about being like the person who who knows ever who knows the most about something small i don't know if i'll ever get there i also have no attention span so these things probably aren't really uh <laughs> compatible <laughs> i like i like services because they tend to have more predictable behavior than like a user interface when you're testing them yes it's like non-deterministic and then people then you add people in. <laughs> people are the hardest to deal with it's everything I went into computers to avoid. <laughs> the closer I get, and the closer so I get users to the... are the enemy of your computing. No, I mean users are awesome. <laughs> I, it's it's just such a more complex system. I think um, I almost find it like frustrating to have to make computing esque decisions about stuff that involves people because I always feel like it, it's all it seems unsatisfying to me because I feel like I can never get it quite right. Because I'm bad at it. If I was better at it, I'd probably enjoy it more. <laughs> so what kind of things do you write in Scala? Um, I write a lot. Like at work, I mostly write web services. We, you know, output JSON and take in JSON from other places usually. It's not always JSON, but some kind of format um, and do something with that data. Um, that's what I've done for the past three years. I started as a front-end engineer, at least nominally, and I was really bad at it. So they kept, you know, if you break enough dishes or CSS, they'll move you off of that. <laughs> um, Scala is interesting because it has an opening into sort of functional programming, which you can get really into your extremes of abstracting everything. Which did, is, you, uh, did you functional before you scala or did your Scala lead to your functional? My Scala led to my functional. I had never encountered cool. such a thing in my life. Um, I didn't have it in school or anything like that. Um, and I'm still not that deep into it. Um, I, you know, I'm joking about taking people out of computing, but I do think that that's where that impulse can lead. Um, <laughs> that there's, you know, you could make structure. such good math if you didn't have people. Yeah, I <laughs> It's true. <laughs> um, which, yeah, reminds me of like the math people I knew. And still, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, you're like a mad scientist. Type. Yeah. I mean, I just started, I really like just, like, I'm at page 40 of reading Godel Escherbach. Uh -huh. And ah. yeah. And so, of course, you know, the first bit of it is talking about how the uh, Principia Mathematica was written completely of, well, that's really confusing. So we're going to assume that that's not possible. <laughs> of we, you know, you Discard can't have you can't have self-referential situations. You know. Yeah. 
So you can't you can't create a paradox and then actually human though. I feel like it's very that what that book is really warm. Yeah, I mean that's what someone recommended to me saying that, you know, I don't know that I totally agree with him, but he he was saying that I, you know, I think that it's such a great book in his recommendation was that it's not, you know, definitely plenty of, of developers read it, but that that theoretically a layman could read it and also really enjoy it. And I think, you know, the introduction notwithstanding probably gets later because I've gotten through kind of the, the introduction and in the first dialogue and some of the first Oh, I chapter. didn't finish it. That book is crazy. Long. <laughs> I doubt anyone. I'm totally, like, I'm going to finish it. You're going to conquer Mark my it? words. I'm going <laughs> to, I mean, well, it's also a library book, so there is also limits on oh, time. <laughs> so I, so I have a motivation. I feel like I've and, moved it from house Yeah, yeah, house. I have back pressure. That's a, that's a good way to put <laughs> Like always too. critical in all systems. Is that? Yeah, I mean that's what I finished a book recently because it's. I don't think I think I can renew because I think it's due next Friday. I think I have time to renew. I think no one is you know hunting for go to Lesher Bach at the library, so I think I can <laughs> renew it. But I I borrowed another book. I, I'm really into at at the library. You can. I request books on hold before they're even released. And so I go ahead and get on the wait list. And so then I can read a book a few weeks after it's out for free, which is awesome because libraries are cool um, and I love libraries. So, but that means whenever you read a new book, there's no renewals because there's so many people on the wait list. So you have to read the book in three weeks, period. <laughs> so is, is good Usherbach, what is the content of the book? Is it like theory or is it like some kind of programming language that they're or abstract like? No, as far as, no, no, it's, it's kind of so far, and of course, this is just introduction, but it's kind of talking about, it starts, so the author says that he wrote the book, because he originally was going to write an essay about how cool, you know, the Godel's, uh, what is it, the incompleteness theorem? Uh, probably wrong but uh, how cool that is and then he started thinking about well you know but there's also you know art and how we see this stuff in art and how we see this stuff in music so that's Godel, Escher and Bach uh, oh. so yeah yeah so I, I didn't get it until I literally you know someone told me about the book and I was like that's the worst book name ever I just and thought then, it was the, the three authors were like or actually two I thought Escher Bach was one name so it was like Godel and Escher Bach were writing a computer science book I don't know no no Godel, comma commas uh, and so i also feel like it's important here to point out that Godel has like the blue oyster cult umlaut is very metal what <laughs> it's like Godel with the two dots it has like it's metal uh, <laughs> wait are you saying that umlauts are metal yes yeah <laughs> i am saying that i'm taking a hard stance on that Okay. <laughs> needs more umlauts yes <laughs> how do you it feel only about, has one but how do you feel about like how do you feel about circumflexes are they also metal that's the line through like an o no actually a, those are pretty awesome but no right? a circumflex is like a tent it's oh, no, you see, it, it's, you see it in french it actually represents where there used to be an s long ago I got it means that, like the character uh is no that that's the that's just the deal is there the french feet. metal I'm of course sure. there's French metal. <laughs> they just um, come there you, and you need, you like could, smoke For your music it. pick, you could pick like a French metal station on Pandora. I know. I'm going to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> there's no Kindle copy of Good Usherbach. Oh, at all? It would break your Kindle. It's like- <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually, oh, that's a bummer. Because I was thinking about, I was like, you know, I thought, oh, if I can't read this, I'll get the Kindle copy. Because it is just a, it's just a fat book. Like, I can only read it at home or, you know, tote it 
you know, with two arms to the local coffee shop because it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a pretty fat book. It's only it's only five hundred pages or something. It's not, you know Wikipedia says it's seven hundred and seventy seven. Oh which is kind JK. Of I don't you know. You should check in else. with Jason Cox. He might have a copy. Oh, likely. Uh, there is another book by the same author called I Am a Strange Loop. Yes, that's that's because of his because of Godel Escherbach because Godel Escherbach is all about strange loops. You have piqued my interest. Yes, yes, it's so it's think- like it's stories too. It's not really a math book. It's very um, narrative. Yeah, there's right? dialogues in it. You can start reading it, and then we can have book club on it in you know a month or two. <laughs> So, do you guys read developer books? That's what I did all day, so I'm curious. I read pretty much exclusively developer books. Tell Same me about here. Um, Well, uh, I just picked up... What was I reading recently? The uh, Camel Re- book. Yeah, Real World Camel. Um, How do you read it? Uh, I read it, and then... So, I, I do maybe like a chapter or two a day when I'm reading a book like that. And mm-hmm. then... Um, and then I go play with, I read it at night, and then in the day I go play with Ocamel, mm-hmm. or like when I'm on the train or something, and then I usually remember things about reading it, or I have ideas when I'm reading it, and then I reference back into, into the book. So usually I'm trying to build, like, so when I'm doing, like, language exploration, I'm trying to, like, build a specific project in each language, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to, like, use the things in the book to solve the problem that I'm building. And that what problem... in Ocamel? So I, I write a URL shortener because it's HTTP, it has a write workload, and I keep the uh, storage of all the URLs in memory so that it Wait, so are you saying that your standard go-to for new language stuff is to write a URL shortener? Yes. So your, your to-do MVC is a URL shortener? Yes. Because I'm usually, my, my, my... Because most people's is, you know, the old, the, I guess, the, yeah. I don't know, is this, is this cliche yet? But that it's, you know, a Twitter app. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's bots. the cliche one, making well, yeah. it better out. Well, I mean, it, I guess kind of like Kelsey's talking about like writing services and JSON. Like, I just want to write like services that respond to HTTP and do stuff that um, I guess is very controlled and easily, I guess, tested. Um, I, I think that most of my designs tend to like have a bunch of services like that. So, yeah, just that seems to cover everything that I like to work on. I think a Twitter app covers a different. So Twitter app covers that, but then you also need to build the front end, which I can. I'm yeah, Twitter app is is yeah. You usually do it because you are going to build a UI too. Well, yeah, and like, like so you so need data that is friendly to UI. Yeah, and JavaScript's uh, separate, and I assume that I can template HTML in any language pretty easily. Um, like any language has an HTML templating system that's probably similar to every other HTML templating system. So it's more about learning like the semantics of the language. I've been making stupid rap joke Twitter bot nice. to learn new languages, <laughs> which is different than a Twitter app because it also has no front end. So is this like a Markov chain generator? No, I made I made two so far and I have a couple in the hopper. Um, one is just a really simple call and response. And one was actually pulling stuff off of the public stream and responding to it, which is totally spammy, but people kind of love it. So. <laughs> Oh, sorry, a one was, uh, can I kick it? Yeah, I did a can I kick it, and I did a Mike Jones one, and the Mike Jones bot has met with universal acclaim by its victims, so I'm not too worried about it getting uh, spam flagged, but we'll see. Oh, There's before- a whole underground bot world of people who know secrets for getting around this stuff and for dealing with it, I've learned. <laughs> before I forget, um, I was talking recently about the on the podcast about the URL shortener I wrote in Haskell and how I made some hacks because I I gave up on like trying to deal with IO types. Mm. Uh, 
And a listener of the podcast, Scott Murphy, sent me a pull request yesterday and was like, hey, I just thought maybe you want to see what it looks like without uh, those hacks. So he sent me a pull request and fixed it. That's cool. It's awesome. Yeah. So I, I was Scott. playing around with it on the train tonight trying to learn what he did. Oh, man. Yeah, that's really cool. Instead of stand up, we should just talk about like all our blockers on the podcast and maybe we'll get pull requests. <laughs> It's hard when you're learning a new language to get that. I feel like that kind of code review. My friend Bridget gave me a really helpful and awesome code review for a closure app I had done. That was great. But I feel like when you're just doing hobby projects to start out, it's hard to find that. Yeah, so it's great cool. to like ask somebody like, hey, like I know this is working, but does it look like idiomatic to you? Yeah. I don't ever read developer books. That's why I asked. I don't have uh, the attention span for it. So I'm always curious to hear how people tackle it. It's not yeah, like the attention span. I'm I don't not that ever, great at it. I don't often finish them. <laughs> no, but that's interesting. You chunk it up like that. That makes a lot of sense. I have learned not to finish them. Because <laughs> I used to I used to like be like, oh man, I started this book. It's a waste of time that I already like I started it, but then I realized like once you get like what you're looking for, like it's okay to only take a chunk of it and to let it go. Yeah. One day I will finish SICP. Oh man, it's classic. <laughs> One day. I like reading more process books like Agile and Lean. If I'm reading a book about a language or like a framework, I'll just want to like play with whatever I just learned, and then I'll just like go into like playing with Code Land and never actually get back to the book. But then it's, you know, then you probably did learn something, though. So then that's pretty cool because you were reading the book and it made you want to go play with your computer. Right. But I feel like I could have, like, not spent the, like, 30 bucks and just looked at the things <laughs> documentation. Yeah, I feel that way, too. I'm reading a process book. That's what I was reading today about continuous delivery, which is interesting. But What was the book called? It's called Continuous Delivery. Ah. <laughs> It's a real name. Yeah. I've definitely got I got a lot farther in it than I ever have with like language or code heavy books. So I was interested. We used to make fun of my old coworker because he only had development books. And we used to say that when people came to his house, they would think he was a Cretan. Wait, a Cretan wait, I don't get it. Because you judge people on their bookshelves. And he oh. any books that weren't developer books. So he had had no literature. Yeah. Not even mm. like leftover from school assigned. <laughs> I mean, everyone uh, knows what John Rodder, John Waters says about judging yeah. people's bookshelves. So yeah. What does he say? People can look that up. Uh, yeah, okay. it's not maybe not family podcast appropriate. He said well, okay, the, the not not exactly what you can look up what John Waters said exactly, but if you go to someone's house you shouldn't sleep with them if they don't have books. But what uh, if they so only have you... developer books? I Who's John Waters? Be a subclass. <sighs> Who's John oh, Waters? No. You know, I'm going to go with Javon. I don't know who John Waters is. <laughs> Are you serious? I've heard that quote before, so I, I recognize the quote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just groan at you until you go look up John we, Waters. We just banned the podcast. No, God, he's not a programmer. <laughs> TV producer? John Waters is he's a director. He's basically the king of camp. Uh, responsible for most notably a movie that you have seen, which would be Hairspray, uh, uh, Polyester. Uh, what else? The the uh, one that Serial like, Mom was famous. Oh yeah, Serial Mom. What's the one with the awful people who are competing on being awful? Pink flamingos. Yes, I've heard yes. of Hairspray, but that's it. I've seen clips of Hairspray. All of his movies are set in Baltimore. They're all super campy and. They're great. Does he write? And if you hang out in Baltimore, you will likely accidentally run into John Waters. He hitchhiked. He basically is Baltimore. 
I don't. I. What do I don't they even books. teach the kids in school these days that you all have never heard of John Waters? I'm horrified. <laughs> my I recently broke. found that I lost my divine costume from. Oh my! Flamingos. No, you have a divine costume. <laughs> I had. I must have had a hell of a Halloween that I can't find it anymore. It's <laughs> your dress. But yeah, I've done I've done Divine several times. We used to do a John Waters Christmas party um, with my. You know, I heard of uh, one of my Twitter friends attended a John Waters themed Halloween party while visiting London. Wow, that sounds yeah. classy to me. I know. So if British people can know who John Waters is, <laughs> I'm just sounds saying. Like you guys have maybe some- I have low standards for British people, but. <laughs> I think I do for American culture. I'm just yeah. surprised that they would be aware of that. It's critical. Yeah. Maybe you should start watching movies on the podcast or reviewing <laughs> movies. I just, I really like movies. And so Javon and I run into this a lot because I make a lot of movie references and Javon doesn't watch movies. Do you watch movies ever? I do. I do. It's my... Not to the level that I watch movies. Yes. But <laughs> but I, I think that we should think about, you know, uh, Kelsey, you can fly out if you want, but that we should go see Imitation Game together. And see the Turing movie. Oh, so it's gonna be so good. So is that with Benedict Cumberpatch? Yes. And now that there's all those memes about fake names for him, I kind of want to always just never say his name and say some made-up version of his name. The actor cannot be named. I bet that movie's gonna be so sad. Well, I'm yeah. gonna cry. I bet. Oh, I'm gonna cry. I mean, like, no spoilers, but- guys. But I just call it didn't him end girl. so well for Turing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So how do you balance all your John Waters movies with all your side, side projects? projects. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it Good coming. Question. <laughs> I don't have a lot of side projects. I actually got to the point very recently where I even ever felt like taking on coding side projects and it just endlessly felt guilty like I would never be a real developer because I didn't have coding side projects. But I think that's kind of BS. I think for one thing it uh it takes a lot of like cognitive sort of energy, especially when you're Sometimes I feel like for the first like three years of my career, I was just at a place where I was stuffing new stuff in my brain all the time and I didn't have the energy to come do it when I was home. I mean, I, I really enjoyed doing, you know, going to, I was at a hackathon over the weekend and it was really nice. I don't, I'm not very good at sustained side projects. Yeah. I'm working on that right now. So I, I do, I, have a, I can commit to yeah. a project and do a bunch of work on it. And then I'm, you know, I fade into the background. Yeah. I'm working. I, in fact, just put off a meeting for it um, on a volunteer project with a group of other folks um, for a local nonprofit. And that's been the longest side project I've ever worked on. And it's definitely hard to keep motivation up. And in fact, we got to a successful release by sort of having a deadline that we worked together on. And then it was really hard to keep that sort of going after that and do the maintenance. And that seems really difficult. So what is a side project? What do you guys think is this? Or what do you all think a side project is? Something you do for yourself that nobody asked you to do. Yeah, it's hard because it's a blurry line because, I mean, I spend a lot of time doing stuff like, oh, I should have said this in my intro. Um, I founded and run a list-serving community for women who do functional programming. And so that takes time to do website maintenance, to do list moderation, to, you know, do sort of community I mean, that's stuff. a side project. It is yeah. a project on the side. Yeah, 
but it definitely isn't a side project, I think, in the way that we traditionally sort of think of these open As source developing programmers developing projects. Or like, you know, I talk at conferences, so I write talk proposals and I edit talk proposals and I write slides for talks and I work on that. And that takes a lot of time that I usually isn't spent at work. Yeah. But that's not really usually considered a side project either. Yeah. But I mean, you know, recently I actually I I made a list of all the stuff I do that I could consider work. So <laughs> if I brought in my definition of work and didn't just include the stuff that I do during the day that someone pays me for, but all the other stuff that's in in the kind of Venn diagram of part if part of the reason why I do it is that it advances my career and myself. And it's a very long list. And there's only only a couple of them are, you know, actually coding related. But, you know, tutorials, writing blog posts and things like that. Ugh, blog posts. I spend so much more time thinking about how I should be writing blog posts <laughs> than writing blog posts. Should you get paid to work on side projects? Like, should I your mean, company Kickstarter provide? people do that. Do or they? Should, you, should your company provide like a certain amount of time or some type of structure that says, hey, you can do whatever you want in this period of time? I think you need uh, room to learn, explore, um, especially like in a technical role. Like if, if And if you're kind of working on a single technology, you kind of need time to branch out. But I don't know if that necessarily needs to be a side project. Well, the side project I work on is politically charged and not necessarily yeah. something that my company would be interested in giving money to do um that's you know not i think there's this concept of volunteer labor that we have in the developer community which is all this very neutral open source con contributions and it's very odd because most people's volunteer labor is no such thing most people's volunteer work is no such thing and i don't know it doesn't play well in our in our industry i don't think yeah no, nobody's. I can't do it. God, the dead air. <laughs> I want to just I like let loose now, with like, like a Tourette's, like a Tourette stream of cuss words because it's like the thing we were taught never to allow. <laughs> uh, let me tell you more about my side project um, that I mentioned so ominously. Um, I work uh, with a group that protests and agitates against evictions in San Francisco. And the project I've been working on most recently um, is a searchable database of evictions in the last 15 years in San Francisco by address. The concept being that people can try to sort of not rent places that have been made vacant by eviction. That's not without political charge in San Francisco, and it's not without specifically tech-indicted political charge. Certainly, it's local politics, and there's been a lot of um, interest in and investment in local politics by tech investors and people made rich by tech companies. Yeah, I, I so I've done this work for a while. This has been something I've been involved with for. I'm, I grew up here and have always been involved in since I was tiny in political things because that's what people do here. Um, we go to marches. We are, we're on committees, <laughs> um, and it. I, for example, I've given a lot, I've talked to the press a lot because it's a very unicorn thing to be a tech worker involved in progressive politics in San Francisco. And um, the thing that they always say is that they can never get anyone, because there are tech workers who are involved in this and people who do tech things that are involved in, in this kind of work. They can never get anyone to go on record with their real name because there's a real sense that this is not work that's sanctioned by employers and that there will be consequences at work. Mm. 
And I mean, I'm not. A, I don't think what I'm doing is particularly controversial, frankly. <laughs> I think the idea that we sh- people should not be kicked out of their homes is something that, at least on the surface, although you may disagree with various, you know, per- particular tactics, most people agree with. And even in that sphere of things, people are really afraid. So that's kind of interesting too. Like, is there work? that we do that's valued by employers and that's a way to get farther in our careers and is there work that isn't. And I would lump some of that stuff that Pam was talking about into that not valuable category. To be honest, stuff like organizing meetups, stuff like you know moderating communities and stuff like that is very invisible, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree. Is the eviction issue like um, raising cost of living in San Francisco and then maybe there's like a limit on how much a landlord can raise rent each year, but so then they get around that by evicting people? Yeah, or they want to sell the building to be demolished or remodeled or turned into condos. Oh, okay. You can learn more by going to antievictionmappingproject.net. <laughs> and there's a bunch of... Um, it's also what's interesting, I think, about this project that I like working on is it's applying a lot of... Um, modern sort of technical tools around mapping and data visualization to some of these problems that are really not necessarily digital. How come uh, you didn't get a dot com? Because uh, it's a nonprofit? I don't know. I didn't buy the domain. Okay. <laughs> I would have thought it would have been a dot org, but I don't know if you have to be like a, f- a official nonprofit or something like that. I don't know. May I take a risk and ask why, do you, if there's a competing website that just says, will all the tech people please just leave? Oh, sure. I mean, there's a lot of that sentiment, but that's not, if you go to that website, that's not on there at all. I think that there's, you'd have to be blind to say that tech money hasn't made an impact on San Francisco and the Bay Area. And I think saying it's all good or all bad is equally naive. Um, I have a lot more sympathy for folks who are expressing frustration out of being priced out of the place where they live and where their families live than I do for folks whose feelings are hurt about political speech (laughs) to be honest but um you know i have my foot in both those worlds so interesting i'm giving a talk on this actually at js fest about um tech money in politics um which i'm focusing on the local scale but it's definitely a national thing um google's is google and facebook are pretty large political donors which is interesting um yeah they have significant political offices actually yeah and yeah i mean they have their own lobbying offices which they're in yeah. all, all industries do i'm not indicting tech specifically but no. it's kind of ties back to what we were talking about where we're like ew humans right where <laughs> politics is this very messy system and i think a lot of engineers feel like it's inherently distasteful and as a result their labor is being used to generate money to make these political changes that they know very little about. Uh, when and where is Jazz Fest? It is in Oakland. It is in the second week of December. I am not a JS person, so I don't know that much about it, actually. Um, I believe there's whiskey involved in a dance festival <laughs> in like the most... I'm not making that up to make fun of JavaScripters. These are all real things that are happening at JS Fest. Are you into whiskey? I okay so I was just talking about this my coworkers do whiskey tasting on Wednesdays which I didn't participate in today because I was working from home this is my problem with whiskey are you guys whiskey tasters I actually did go to a scotch tasting I have, and I have been known to enjoy whiskey yeah. This is okay. Tell me how you get around I don't, it. I'm not I am actually anti scotch though. I'm pretty what? pretty hard opinion on that. I don't um, drink but I'm I respect I don't believe people's uh, affinity for things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't taste it. I have like 
Like, okay, first off, because I don't know anything about it, it takes me like two or three sips to tell the difference between things. And if I have like six or seven consecutive sips of whiskey in a short time, I'm going to quickly lose my ability to say coherent, artful things about scheme. This is what I've run into. I think you just need somebody to tell you what you're going to taste. Yes, and then I think that would you help. totally taste it. I'll get it then. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that is just, yeah, that's a psychology thing. They do that with people in wine. Yeah. So that you can tell someone they're about to taste a fantastic wine. And then you give them a like $4 bottle of wine and they, you know, they're big fans because no one knows anything about wine. So what's the hot new hotness in whiskey and or scotch? Oh, I'm not. I don't know. I like super peaty scotches like Lafroig. Peaty? Oh, uh, dude, I, that's the one I had last night. Yeah. Like you'll still taste it the next morning. It's so like smoky. Yeah. It was like drinking smoked salt. What, yeah. what does peaty mean? It's like smoky. No. So there's a moss. Steve, Steve explained this to me last night. There's a moss in the whiskey? The peat, the peat moss. They put it over the flame and... Or something with the flame and the moss, the way they smoke it. It always makes me so, think of bog bodies when people say peat. The more peat, the more moss they use to smoke, I think. I could be getting this totally wrong, but peat is a moss. I know that for sure. And it preserves mummies. I did not know that one. <laughs> it's a thing called bog bodies. This all sounds gross. I don't know how you guys do this. <laughs> it's awesome. Please, it is gross. The Wikipedia image is even gross. But maybe it works from the inside, too, you know? Maybe that's the secret to good health is peaty whiskey. <laughs> I didn't like it, but <laughs> I thought it was interesting that people know so much, so many things about it. Maybe I should do this for, like, a dessert or different types of cookies or ice cream. Yeah. Well, be a that's cookie connoisseur? Kind of yeah. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, you could fall on that sword. Become a cookie expert. Be a, a difficult life. You have a cookie tasting where you just have to like sniff the cookie for like five minutes before you're allowed to take Roll a it around in your mouth. You yeah. it that's the thing is that that's that's actually the truth though is that becoming a taster of everything is awful because then you you like you taste it by eating it and then spitting it out. So I don't know if that's true for like cookies, that, like but that's that. true for alcohol because the reason you do that with alcohol is so that you don't get really drunk. But I've never <laughs> seen anyone spit out the whiskey. No, you uh, drink it at they probably well. I mean, yeah. if you're a judge, you have to because it'll get really drunk. I, I will admit I've never <laughs> so. been to an official whiskey competition. Do you think like barbecue competition judges just like chew it and then spit it out? No, they're legit. I think they take very small bites. So I guess with a cookie connoisseur, you hopefully would still just get to you know just be fat. I volunteer to be a enjoy barbecue. the cookies. Sounds amazing. This is our first uh, dessert time podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we, we didn't tell you this is our first time recording in the evening. So, oh well, thank you for accommodating my, uh, you know, your West Coastness, West Coast, West Side. I worked from home today, so I, you know, only talked to my husband and the dog, and I'm very weird as a result. <laughs> <laughs> so this is your your only level of socialization is talking on the phone yeah. to three people. people the remote. How do they do it? Because I am such a weirdo after I, one day of working remote. I worked remote for a year and a half and my um my fiance at the time, my wife now, would come home and I would like I'd be like a puppy, like waiting for it to come home. Like, attack her with like all these words. Like, how's your day? How's everything going? We gotta talk. Try to talk. She's like, I'm so tired. Leave me alone. <laughs> but now yeah, we both go. We both go to the office. We both come home equally drained. I was the opposite. I used to be 
always like locked in a problem or like going down a rabbit hole and like just or not stopping work on time. Well, yeah. So the most important part of working from home, if you're in tech, especially like, is to turn the computer off at five o'clock or whenever you end. Because if you don't, you're trying to keep walking back in and keep working. Oof, yeah, that's bad. Yeah, I had a terrible time. I'd maybe like seven o'clock. I'd still be in my pajamas. It's dark outside, and I'm just like, I'm not gonna shower now. And you think anything for the day? If I'm being honest, I have not showered today. And I fear <laughs> if I worked remote, it would just go all downhill for me on that scenario <laughs> the hygiene and be honest even going to the office isn't the hugest impetus to me so i don't know how people do it it's ironic because i feel like working in in a city so like uh lendron fam i'll live like in philly but i'm in the suburbs in, in new jersey like so i gotta take a train in and like working remotely i feel like it's easier in a city because you can just go downstairs and like walk to a coffee shop and you know mm-hmm. start your day and like get it out of the house whereas suburbs i gotta like drive somewhere that's put a lot of effort in leaving the house yeah i need a seems, really low bar it just seems counterintuitive that like working remotely is happier when you're in a city i feel like we're in a in a in a happening area yeah i guess you can work remotely not in your own filth at home huh yeah, they have like co-working spaces, but again, they're all in, in the city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have this problem where I just eat all day when I work at home. Mm. I think like I, there's no social impetus not to just have my head in the fridge all day. Well, do you oh, I have the like problem Cheetos where I'll, I'll think, oh, you know, I'll cook and then I won't eat all day. Yeah, I won't stop and cook. Yeah, that's the stop. I'm not. I instead of stopping for lunch, I'm just like I'm going hungry. I'm just gonna grab something like every twenty minutes until it's dark, and I'm a gross, yeah, Cheeto dust covered slob in my pajamas at seven p.m. <laughs> I have bad habits. <laughs> is the conclusion here? So, what's the day like for you at Pager Duty? So I just started Pager Duty like a few months ago and I am now working on a special project doing some infrastructure stuff, which is really interesting to me and I'm excited about it. Um, So it's been a lot of like reading and learning and coming up to speed, um, which is exhausting. It's so tiring and I had been a few months ago going much more full speed on the side project I mentioned and learning closure and some other stuff. And now I just get home and I'm just so tired. Now, obviously not physically tired, as you could tell by my story of eating all day at work, but um, just mentally exhausted from learning. Um, so that's been my days mostly like reading and trying things out and being in that sort of like newbie state where you're perpetually stuck or like... You can't even get into flow because you don't even know what you're looking for. You know what I mean? Yeah. What are some tricks that you're using to get up to speed? It's hard because I don't want to go. But I mean, I have an office full of really like smart together ops guys next door, but I don't want to, you know, <laughs> wear out my hospitality by bugging them all the time. So, um, in some ways, I'm lucky, and in some ways, I'm unlucky because it's a pretty open it's a it's a big chunk of work so there's a lot of different entry points so i've been switching between stuff if i get stuck on you know figuring out a particular flow of a particular test framework then moving on and reading about chef or going and looking at continuous delivery practices in general so that's been pretty interesting and useful but it's hard too because i don't know where to start you know chef is so large yeah 
I feel like I spent like weeks trying to learn it um, at my first startup job and I couldn't mm-hmm. get it and I didn't have anybody to help me. And then like a year later, I learned it and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't learn it before. Sometimes you just have to be ready. It's like Emacs. <laughs> oh, Lord. I don't know yeah. that joke. I've experienced that with Emacs. I, uh, I tried it. Oh my God, what am I doing? I tried it again. And I was like, oh, I get it. I Do you did use Emacs get- now? I've been trying to work it into things i did get distracted one of the chef tutorials i was doing like had like an aside which is like why don't you use emacs to edit the or uh, vim to edit these files here's a vim tutorial I was like, <laughs> oh yeah okay sure and i was like wait what no like why why would i do that like that was just a honeypot for my desire to do something else <laughs> so what editor do you use i use an ide because i live in the year of the Genre. good lord 2014 uh, and i use a statically typed language god damn you it use IntelliJ? you can use do you, do you use intellij i do use intellij i like intellij intellij is continually getting better um when i'm on a server obviously you have to use something and this is when people get really mad at me i use pico <laughs> i'm like nano whatever there's six commands and those are all the commands that i need <laughs> I, everyone's pretending to laugh and just like appalled that Pam invited me on this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in seriously, like in Vim, I can make um, for many languages. I have it set up almost like an IDE. Like especially when I write Go, it does the Go formatting and it like has syntax errors that show up in, on each line that I can look at. And it automatically does my imports for me. Um, I don't do too many things such as like refactoring automation or um, like writing tests by clicking a button, but I mean, I I think keystrokes for like build and run kind of stuff. But I think these, like someone who writes Scala is spending like eight hours a day in Scala code, but you've. I mean, like five tops, right? Like, let's be realistic. All right, all right. (laughs) It's, I mean, it's a long way to the fridge at work, so. kidding yes yeah so, yes continue so like, Sorry. i think your experience justin has been like a day or like play time. no 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 definitely i agree yeah i tried to learn java uh like a year ago but i refused i refused to use anything but vim and everybody laughed at me and they were right <laughs> it's macho <laughs> i it's some weird macho instinct to use vim yeah, to care about your editor, to feel a sense of, of oneness and identification with your editor. I, I do feel at home there. I'm comfortable in it. But why, why do people care about what other people use? Because people do care. You can say you I think care. it's that you want to know. Well, also, it's when you find someone who uses the same editor, they always have tricks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's always nice. And I feel like it's... I'm, I'm going to hope that it's a little more positive that when I, you know, that it's, it's like you're disappointed because you didn't found, find someone where you can learn tricks. And I only give... You're much more positive time. than me. I'm trying to... I made a resolution. I kind of have... I'm I'm a little negative, and so I'm trying to be more positive <laughs> lately. I just like to troll people about it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like so you tell everyone that you use Nano. <laughs> yeah, people get really mad. It cracks me up. I use Notepad EXE. Yeah, running. Yes. <laughs> yes. Notepad plus plus. <laughs> oh, I was working with some people who were using Notepad plus plus, but I didn't say anything because I'm not a jerk. So 
<laughs> I have a coworker who likes to, at the end of like all hands when they're open questions, <laughs> raise his hand and say, I have, I have a question. It's not so much a question. I move that we switch to using tabs instead of spaces <laughs> just to uh, wreak chaos in among the assembled developers, which is always hilarious to me too. <laughs> it's like holy war, holy war business. <laughs> Is that your dog? Is barking? that your dog? <laughs> no, it's another dog. It's a hound beast uh, outside. My dog is. You, <laughs> you have a hound beast outside. I don't know. There's a lot of loud dogs in our neighborhood. We had a yeah. We had a dog sitter come by today. Uh, to um, he kind of reminded me. I hope he doesn't listen to podcasts. He kind of reminded this podcast. He reminded me of um, the character in Burn After Reading, played by Brad Pitt. Oh, I actually did not see that one. Yes, I know we've gone full circle and talking about movies, but I have not seen that movie. Yeah. Never mind. He was just a funny, weird dude wearing toe shoes. It was really like, when your dog recognized me at the Alpha, which she has not yet done. (laughs) I was like, yeah, my dog doesn't recognize a lot as the Alpha. (laughs) I tell you what. (laughs) Uh, It's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. um, Yeah, I just got a dog. My office is not dog friendly. That's like a thing here. People have dog friendly offices. It's a thing in Philly. It's a thing in co-working spaces. Some offices too. We'll bring their dogs. Yeah. I, I love having dogs in an office, but I know a lot of people don't feel comfortable around dogs. So I don't know how. Yeah. Yeah. I always feel it's bad. It's just weird. Like when you walk in and the dog is like running to you and then. I think most dog owners think their dogs are better than they actually are too. Also, a lot of dogs are bigger than I am. And so that's what scares me is if they're bigger than me. I worked at a dog office, the one before last, and they had a couple, two pit bulls that were running around, would run around. And I wasn't scared, but I could see how it would be scary. Also, this is one of my favorite interview story, technical interview stories of all time. I tell it a lot. So uh, (laughs) my, you know, then to be coworker, future coworker, um, was you know gave me a whiteboard interview in this conference room it was a small conference room without any windows and his dog was in the room for some reason and it was a pit bull it was a really sweet dog i didn't you know i hadn't met it yet but i learned i came to know and love nola the pit bull but like pit bulls have like many purebreds like very delicate gastrointestinal systems you know and this dog our entire interview was just like ripping ass, like farting incessantly. <laughs> and it smelled unbelievably bad. And I was doing a whiteboard interview about like whatever. I don't even remember the question. So did you, did you have like the thing where you're trying to just, you're both trying to ignore it? Yes. And, and both try, and like, of course, it. I had a second where I was like, is that him or the dog? <laughs> I'm sh- I mean, I think he knew it was the dog. So bad. And like, yeah, just trying to ignore it thankfully when the next person came in he was like what the fuck jordan like your dog like it smells horrible in here but yeah i was like is this some kind of stress test like what is happening is this some weird self don't get a pit bull (laughs) or i thought you were gonna adopt it as a new interview new interview (laughs) yeah it was amazing (laughs) i've always wanted to get him back in some way like in an interview situation it was incredible <laughs> I, I got the job. <laughs> you survived the test. I survived the yeah. chemical warfare. The fart test. <laughs> so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's my dog office story. Pretty good dog office story. <laughs> <laughs>
So do we want to talk about our topic anymore? Or do we just want to abandon it and get the picks? I gave up on that. I mean, this is our first union recording. Oh, we just went rogue. Well, I, I have a pick. Go so on. so my pick, I don't think I've done this one. It's in my, this is a risk of now that I've started a Turing incomplete folder, which I guess I could start like sharing this as its own like link batch because there's sometimes links in here that I don't end up sharing on the podcast and I think they're cool. But the the t- in terms of re the whole papers thing actually oh I'm gonna have two picks actually first one is this one the tiny transactions on computer science which is papers describing significant research contributions in the field of computer science um, which is a premier venue for computer science research of a four- 140 characters or less so that you can read if you really really can't read academic papers you can read a tiny transaction on computer science because nice. they're only a page I'm going so. to my first papers we love tomorrow. Oh, awesome. So we'll see. Don't tell my friend and as he runs it, but I haven't read the paper yet. <laughs> I'm go- I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Well, what's the paper? One of my, my biggest secret about papers is that I, I actually, I really have to print them. Like I really. Yeah, that's what she said too. I have she to said, print them wow. and I have to use a highlighter and I'm going to do it. Highlighter take my notes. So, oh, so the second thing that I, I was going to pick is uh, the the app that I made with my team at at Space Space um, Hack the Universe over the weekend. So it is a space time app, mm-hmm. and it's with three JS. And you have a little DeLorean, and you're looking at the night sky, and you can drive your DeLorean to see what the night sky looked like, say, you know, a thousand years ago, ten thousand years ago, ten thousand years in the future. Uh, and I think it's really cool. And there's some broken stuff, but it's a hackathon project, so we might eventually fix it. So that those are my picks. And on my blog, I have a video of the the iOS version, which uh, another guy on the team made pretty like 100% by himself, and he's amazing, Robbie Kraft. And I loved everyone on my team, and we we're super awesome. So go team DeLorean. But so check out the space time app and all the the github projects from hack the universe are at github.com slash hack the universe so those are my many picks so my pick might be a little mean i think i just realized but i've been amused by the site all day it's uh called kickended.com and if you go to kickended.com it will send you to a kickstarter that got zero backings and you could probably imagine they're pretty pretty awful i really that's yeah, so it's like regretsy for Kickstarter. Yeah, like that's it is mean, but <laughs> at the so same funny. time, I thought yeah, you were gonna say like is, Kickstarter yeah. projects who didn't ship on time. No, that's oh, like that would all be that would be all of them. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. But no, this these are these are projects that didn't get a single backer, which is like you think. Which is kind of impossible because, like, or, like, or, okay, what about voting for yourself? You right. always put, you know, $10 in just to seed your own fund. You're going to get the money back anyway, right? If you don't make Exactly. Goal. So you should just pay yourself $10. So at least you wouldn't end up on that website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. that would be worth it. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I can't even say anymore. Just, just click it two or three times and you'll see some pretty amazing project ideas. This is terrible. <laughs> Terrible in what way? It's just mean. Okay. No. Well. Share the link, Len. <laughs> it's Kick Ender? Kick Ended. Uh, kickended.com. Kick Ended. Kick Ended. Okay. Justin, oh. do you have a, a link? Pick. Uh, did I pick OCaml yet? Yes. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> I'll, did I pick Rust yet? <laughs> you could pick the OCaml book. No, that, you picked that with Oak. Mm. Shit, well... 
pick Justin Campbell because Justin Campbell's taking sabbatical and wants to pair with everyone. Oh yeah, I should talk about that. Yeah. Um, so you yeah. want to pick your pick yourself? I'm picking myself <laughs> as a person. Thanksgiving to Christmas ish. I'm going to not work work and instead um, stay home and work on open source and hopefully pair with some people. And I'm hoping to uh, live code when I get a chance to code. So yeah, the other part of this is I'm staying home to watch a you know ten week old uh, daughter. So whenever she's sleeping, which I've I've heard is about four hours a day, <laughs> I will be coding. And then on Fridays, I will be uh, pairing with somebody. So if you want to pair on a Friday between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and possibly after that, please. Uh, send a message on Twitter uh, at Justin Campbell or email me justin at justincampbell.me. Uh, yeah, and I was at Philly RB last night and I uh, spoke with somebody that we're going to pair sometime on something. I'm not sure what yet, um, but we talked about it last night. Both really excited. I just want to pair with more people. My pick is pairing. <laughs> Should I go? Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> can, I guess. I can go. All right, so my music pick is uh, Sonic Highways by the Foo Fighters. It's their new album. There are some good songs on there, and they're really good. Have you been watching Dave Grohl's show? The so- Yeah, it's really good, right? It's really it? good, yeah. yeah. Made me think that they well, convinced me that David Grohl is a really smart dude. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Highly of him after I saw his uh, Fresh Pots video. What is a Fresh Pots video? I'll put a link. Okay. You gotta watch it, it's funny. All right. If you like coffee, it's funny. Okay. Um, yeah, so if you listen to the album, you should also watch the show if you have HBO. Um, then my programming picks are, I think I picked Emacs already, but I'm going to pick it again because <laughs> Emacs in the second go around is, is pretty awesome. Uh, I'm now waging an editor war. It's just a, a good editor. And uh, I've been poking at uh, The Joy of Closure, the second edition, and kind of blew my mind. So I'll pick that also. Well, Emacs is is, li- is lisp all the way down, right? Yeah. So it all fits together. Are they like changing their lisp at some point? I've heard something about that. They're tr- they're trying, yeah, they're trying to rewrite or actually rewrite it so it can support some other language features or like, yeah. I can send you a talk about it, but they do want to go from one lisp to another lisp. Huh? Is the other lisp more standardized? I think it supports more features. Like the one talk I was watching was the guy was complaining about not having, I think, concurrency is the way he described it. So like everything in Emacs is a blocking operation. So they want to do things. So it's like Vim. Yes. <laughs> but, but better. Just kidding. Um, I still use Vim. Uh, Vim is still my primary editor. So yes, you can go now, Kelsey. Um. Two people who do really cool side projects that I admire, even though I am not as mentioned a JavaScripter, um, are Jen Schiffer with her new Vart Institute, which is really cool. I think she just has a new one out, uh, maybe today or no, yeah, maybe today. Yeah, this week on Matisse, um, which is cool. I really like that. It's a cool. Um, I think it's a really cool side project that is. Draws on other outside non-programming interests, and I admire that a lot. And another one is um, I had to look up her real name, which I guess is Jen Fog Fong Adwent, but um, I know her as Edna Piranha, and she does really cool side projects. Um, one of which that I liked a lot was Meet Space, which is like a GIF chat thing, and she's working on. Um, a really interesting distributed 
sort of social network thing now. And she does really cool stuff around like how people interact. Um, and her, her projects are inspiring to me because they do sort of take that problem I was whining about, about people being messy and run into it full on. And I think it's cool. So yeah, that's my two links. Awesome. <laughs> Jinx. Uh, thanks so much for uh, coming on, Kelsey. Thanks for having me. My ranting was sufficient. It was awesome. Thanks for coming on. So where can people find out more about you? Oh, you know, the internet. <sighs> um, I'm on Twitter. Um, although I just got a Kindle and I have been much less interested in Twitter. And I think maybe I just like needed words to read, not particular <laughs> people's words to read. But I'm on Twitter, Kelsey Innes, and you can find me at nerd.kelseyinnes.com. Those are two places where I am on the internet. How do you spell Ennis? I-N-N-I-S. And my last name is Gilmore Ennis, but I have not updated my Twitter user handle nor my, my domain name since getting married. So, Cool. Uh, so show notes are at turing.cool slash 28. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter at turingcool, and I'll uh, talk to you guys next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Later. Thanks, Thank you. Bye. Bye.